Thanks for being here. We've got several of you that are visiting. Really appreciate that. Maybe it's your first time. But those of you that are regular, I want you to take a second. I want you to look at your watch. It's 11.41. We're a little later than normal. I'm just asking that we give 25 minutes of some of the best focus we have, knowing that we're already late and knowing that we're going to try to get through this, but to focus on the Word of God here for 25 minutes. And let's see if we can't be what we ought to be when we walk out of here today. We've just had read for us a phrase, if you're using the English Standard Version or you're using some of the other versions, that mentions something about perfect harmony. What we had read in other translations say, a bond of unity. And the reason I even began to really think about this phrase as we think about unity in my church is because my friend who is an agnostic, who isn't sure if God exists, but he is sure that there is some higher power, he said to me the reason he believes that there is something is because of harmony. He's very big into music, and he says it just doesn't make sense that different sound waves can come together unless somebody put it that way. I said, well, that's very interesting. And so what we have is the body of Christ, as we have been called into one body, according to verse 15 there, we have been put together in unity, in harmony. And we understand harmony, don't we? We just sank it. Oh, four-part harmony. We had our sopranos, our altos, our tenors, and our basses, and we put those together. In one sense, that is what the church is, is different pieces that are bound together. When you think about something being bound together, I've got some eggs up here. You know, I say, what in the world is that all about? Well, since a few weeks ago they diagnosed me with celiacs, I've had to start cooking more. And my sister was in town, and she was going to make me some cookies that I could eat. And so she made some great peanut butter and chocolate chip cookies with flour that did not have wheat in it. But they never hardened. And we're sitting there, and she's like, I'm missing something. She said, I forgot to put the eggs in the cookies. Because it's the egg that bonds all of the ingredients together that puts them in one. And what we see in the New Testament is that as Christians, we are bound together by at least two things that are specifically stated. I want you to look there in Colossians 3 of the first one that is stated. Look in Colossians 3 and verse 14. He says, and above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony or in the bond of unity. You see, the thing that holds us together as a church of Jesus Christ is our love for one another and our love for Jesus Christ. You see, when we each have that love, we're together. We're united because we're loving the same things and the same person. But when we don't have that love, guess what? We are completely unraveled. We might be close. 
Those cookies were tasty, but they were like eating cookie dough. We were close, but we weren't there. And what he's saying, what holds us together is our love. I want you to notice something else that holds us together in a unity passage. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. In another passage, it talks about unity and striving to keep the unity of the Spirit of God. God has given us His Spirit. But notice how he says in verse 2 of Ephesians 4, very similar to some of the things listed in Colossians 3, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in, and here it is, the bond of peace. You see, what else holds us together as we try to maintain? Notice that it's our intention to maintain the unity of the Spirit. We have to be eager to do that. We have to desire that. We have to work towards that. And he says one of the things that we're going to have to have if we're going to stay together is peace. That is what holds us together is our peace with one another. We are not at war with one another. We are not fighting with one another. But we are at peace with one another and with God. And when we have these things bound together, it's like in music, we've got our different parts coming together and guess what? It sounds good. Or in the case of a cookie, it tastes good. It's what it's supposed to be. But if we don't have these ingredients, we don't have what Jesus intends for us to be. I want you to go to another passage. I want you to see a couple of things that are said about that. I want you to go to Philippians, the first chapter. Remember how I said it was music harmony that helps my friend understand that there is someone or something out there? You see, unity in Christ's church is also a clear sign. I want you to notice what it said. Philippians chapter 1, Paul is in prison. He has been beaten, and he's in there, and the Philippians have seen him be beaten before. In fact, one of the members there beat him. And pick up in verse 27 that Paul says to these brethren, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm, and notice this, in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. You see what happens when people are out to get you? When people are opponents of Christ and they're opponents of His people? When they see this array, guess what? They can handle that. It's just like here in battle. This is from the, uh, the Korean War uh, monument in D.C. If you've ever been down there. This one has always stood out to me. Because they're going through the fields and you can tell that they are looking for landmines. 
And they're each working together side by side. If one breaks rank, if you go back to other military, because as he says here, you're striving side by side. There is a term of fighting. You're fighting together for the gospel, and you're in this battle, and you're not afraid. Because you got one mind, you got one spirit, and you're there for one another. But if you got a straight line, and one person steps back, what do you have? Enemy has all kinds of ways to get in. He says, that's not the case with my people. I want to hear that you are all standing side by side, solidarity, working together. Because that's what we do. And when we do that, they see it. And they see it and they say, man, we can't get through that group. Because we're not working separately. We are together. So you go to the end of that chapter, you see, man, you are engaged in the same conflict, he says. I go to chapter 2. What he says here is, okay, when you act the way you're supposed to, I don't care if I'm there or if I'm just caring about it, you stand firm. You don't give up any ground. You stay together. Now he says to him in chapter 2, he says in verse 1 there, if there's any encouragement in Christ, If there's any good news, if there's anything that's going to pick me up and give me some cheer, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, if there's any affection and there's any sympathy, and those are all good things to have, isn't it? We want people to give us sympathy when we are sorrowful. We want people to have affection towards us, to be kind and gentle towards us. We want people to love us, right? He says if there's any of that in Christ, and is there any of that when we are in Christ? Yeah. To the nth degree, there should be that. But he says if there's anything, notice what he says in verse 2. I need you to complete my joy. By how? By being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. What does that sound like is going to make Paul happy? You all think the same way. I got up here, John Calipari, a guy that I do not like. But I 150% respect him. He is a basketball coach in college. And his job is to get the best players from the country to come and play for him. And he does an exceptional job of that. He will get sometimes three of the best five players in the country to come and play on his team. And you know what he gets them all to do? Not worry about themselves. They buy into one mindset. They make him happy as he's sitting at the podium for the final four of the championship game because he preaches to them a vision. 
He says, if you do this, this is what we're going to look like as a team. And when we get to the end of March, and now the first weekend in April, we're going to be the last team standing. And guess what? Players buy into that. Because his players, they get drafted really quickly, and they make a ton of money. They don't think about themselves. So notice what Paul says here about fulfilling his joy. Notice the next verse, verse 3. You do nothing from rivalry or conceit. We have rivals, don't we? Have any rivals that are members of the body of Christ? I've got to outdo brother so and so. Or I've got to outdo sister so and so. They're a good host. I'm going to be a great host. They're a good teacher. I'm going to be a great teacher. You know, they have to give a pretty decent Lord's Supper talk. I'll blow that one out of the water. I got, I got to set my game up. <laughs> See, competition can actually be a good thing, right? It can motivate us. To do the best that we can do. But sometimes if we've got a rival, it doesn't get us to do the best that we can do for the sake of doing the best we can do. It gets us to do the best we can do so that we do better than them. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That's not why you do the best that you can do. You don't do your best for your own personal good and your selfish ambitions, but rather... In humility, you count others more significant than yourself. You see, you do the best that you can do. You're the best player in the country. You come and you be you. But you've got to buy in. You've got to be humble. You've got to be a part of the team. You've got to mesh. You've got to bond with your teammates because it's not about you. It's about us. Some people, they don't buy into that. They don't want any part of that. So guess what? They'll go to a lesser school or to a coach that will let them dictate what's going to happen. And they are the team. He says, Christians, that's not the way it is with you. We do nothing from rivalry, but the hard part is we count the other person better and more significant than myself. How many of us, that is the natural reaction, the natural way to live? What you want is more important than what I want. I, as a selfish individual, surely am not that way. And I don't think most human beings are naturally disposed to that. Maybe they are just not in this country because we look out for number one. But not in the body of Christ. Not in the church that belongs to Christ. We look out for everybody else. That doesn't mean we neglect ourselves for it. You look not only to your things, but also to the things of the interest of others. It's okay to look out for yourself. But not more than anybody else. That other person, that other brother or sister in Christ is more important than me. And here's the key. Here's what we're united on. Here's this one mind, this one love, this one, again, accord, another way of saying the same mind. He says it basically the same three different ways. Is verse 5. 
have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, what he's asking us to buy into is having the same mindset as Jesus. Just like we have to buy into the mindset of a coach, we buy into the mindset of Jesus, which is... Though he was in the form of God, he was the number rank, number one ranked player in all the world. Though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto. But he made himself nothing. He became the lowest, took on the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming to the point of obedience, to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He went from the highest you could be to the lowest you could be. And he's saying, that's us. That's what I want from each of us. You do that, man, you're going to make me the happiest father in Christ in the world. Because we're acting like him. So I'm accounting others more significant than myself. If we're a group of people that's doing that, guess what? We're going to stand out. Just like I was thinking about this. Again, I love music. So you go to a concert, and oftentimes there is an opening act. There's an opening band. And they're good. You're listening to it. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. Never really heard them before. That's good music. And then the headliner steps on the stage. And from note one, it's like, oh, here's why they're the headliner. They really stand apart from pretty good to big time. Same thing happened in churches. You got churches that are pretty good at doing these things, and then you got churches that are actually doing it all the way through, and it is night and day. It stands out. The church that belongs to Jesus is going to stand out. But now here's the key. Music doesn't always sound good, does it? Sometimes there is a wrong note that is played. For sometimes maybe somebody is off tempo. And it's not supposed to be that way. And you're like this woman, I don't even know who she is, but she's from black and white picture. <sighs> right? Like it's, it, it's painful to the ears. Just make it stop. Think that might ever happen when we are not putting other people first. Well, notice in Philippians, the fourth chapter, that is exactly what has happened. There is dissonance. There isn't harmony, which is dissonance is the opposite of harmony. There isn't harmony. In fact, you've got two people who used to be at harmony with one another. They used to be. Their names are Yodi and their name is Sintiki. And they worked with Paul, and he says in verse 3, they labored with me side by side for the sake of the gospel. But that's not the case anymore. They are no longer side by side. So what he's asking them to do in chapter 1 is stand side by side is probably because they're no longer standing side by side. And so he says something very bold in verse 2. He says, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Sintiki to agree in the Lord. Or literally, 
Be of the same mind in the Lord. You know the solution to no longer being in harmony with one another is? Get back to agreeing with the Lord. Get back to counting others more significant than yourself. Get back to loving the Lord more than to love myself. Get back to loving my brother more than I love myself. Get back to wanting to be at peace with my brother or my sister in Christ rather than wanting the show to be about me. And when we do that, we will be a church that is in perfect harmony because we're bound together in our desire for peace with one another and our love for Jesus and one another. They're going to be like, no, it's not that big a deal. To let that one go. I'm going to give up myself for the better of the group, for my coach, for my leader. And so we'll have that same mindset. And if we all agree to that mindset, sky's the limit, right? It would be like something rarely seen on earth. But what a beautiful picture it would be. This morning has not been a lesson about being Christian. It's about being what we ought to be once we become Christian. And sometimes that's harder than the actual obeying of the gospel. Because now it's making its mode. Now it's growing. And the truth is, if we all agree that we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to think like Jesus, it'll be easier for us to grow together and stay together, bound by peace and love of Christ. If you need the prayers of the congregation, why don't you come now as we stand and as we sing.